and the auctioneer has no idea what he has because these things don't ever come up for sale. No one knows what it's worth. No one even knows what it does, much less how much money you'll spend on it. So he's like, well, who'll give me 50? You know, so Ken's like, you know, well, who'll give me 100? And then, so the guy that works for the auctioneer is in the barn. So he's hollering back, yep. You know, so he, he'd go, okay, 100, yep, 200. So it's going. And then it starts, and then the auctioneer figures out, I'm not going in $20 increments. I'm going in $100 increments because this is going. And it was going fast. I mean, we were climbing, you know, 1,000, yep. 1100, yep, 1200, yep, and they just keep going. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is going too fast. What are we going to do? We don't know where this is going to stop. Where's this headed, you know? And so I'm standing there with this crowd, and everyone's getting into the whole auction thing, and they're like crowded around us, and he's in this circle, and they get up. They're like, 1400, yep. So Ken's like, okay, 15 for Ken, which he's thinking, I'm out, that's it. 1600, yep. So then they're like, are you up for 17? And so he's sitting there, and it's just like the blood left his face. And I'm thinking, he's going to faint. He's going to pass out because he's thinking, I've already told him, 1,500, and we have no more. And there was this old man that was standing by me, and he was getting into it. And he said, my God, man, you can get more money, but you'll never get your grandfather's equipment again. And he looked at me, and I nodded yes because I thought, we may not pay our house payment this month. <laughs> we may not have gas to get home. But whatever it takes, we're going home with this. And we went home with it at $2,000. Imagine snagging a priceless family heirloom at auction before it is lost forever. Historian Tia Miles writes in her National Book of Woodwinner, All That She Carried, that Things become bearers of memory and information, especially when enhanced by stories that expand their capacity to carry meaning. In other words, things and objects come to mean something and carry their stories within them. They become more than objects, and while the thing itself has its own history, the stories and memories attached to it craft an even bigger narrative about generations, family, and connection. In this episode of Our Stories, we chat with Kay Wolf. She has carefully constructed her husband's family history, beginning with the patriarch, William Peter Wolf. He was the original owner of that antique broom equipment that Kay and Ken so narrowly got back at the auction at the beginning of this episode. Back in September, their niece Carla, who is also a good friend of mine, took me to the Wolf Land in Cherry Valley, Arkansas. Kay and Ken treated me to a nice lunch, a wonderful conversation, and a tour of the land that has belonged to the Wolf family for nearly a century. My grandpa. Okay. That was William Peter Wolf, okay. and he was born in 1858, and he lived until 1934. So he was 76 when he died. When he was 22, he lived in Tennessee, and he got married, had children. He was married for 11 years before his wife passed away and his children passed away. Since then, I've discovered that he had one daughter from the first marriage that lived, which I don't really know anything about. He married a second time when he was 33, and that marriage lasted for 11 years until she passed away, and their children passed away, except for one, which was that Hubert, which grew up to work in the circus. 
<laughs> and handle snakes. He was a snake handler in the circus, but he, he survived. So he didn't get remarried again until he was 52. And he married a woman that was 26 years his junior. And they were married until the day Grandpa died in 1934. So they were married for 24 years. In total, Grandpa had 12 children, but only six lived to be grown. Four of those would have been the ones that were raised here on this property. Now, he came to this property in 1925. We've traced the records back to where he purchased it in 1925. It was a much bigger piece of property at that time. And then when he passed away, of course, it went to his sons. Some of the sons sold it. Some of the sons didn't. Ken's dad, Carl, did not sell his. He lived here until he passed away, until he died. When he died, his portion of the land was sold except for the home. This home spot has been in the family almost 100 years. It would have been in 1925. There was an original house that's here that my husband can barely remember that was torn down and replaced in 1960. This house was built in 1960. William Peter Wolf's story brings us an even larger history than just his family. His occupation as a broom squire provides insight into a vital but nearly forgotten aspect of rural American history. Grandmother, of course she's been dead for years and she, she was about his age and she told me when she was uh, young that she can remember. Back then, your travel was, if you went to town, like a few miles away, you went in a, a horse and buggy, mule and buggy kind of thing. If you went from town to town, let's say you went from Cherry Valley to Wynn or to Harrisburg, you went on the train. The train track ran through Cherry Valley, ran through Wynn, ran through Harrisburg. So what he would do is he would take his brooms by wagon to town and he would go, like back then they had door-to-door -door salesmen, this kind of thing. She says, I can remember Ken's grandfather coming to town to sell his brooms. So he did that. We take it for granted because we have Walmarts, you know. There was once a time when there was no Walmart and people had to do, most of their things were done locally. We, it was not a global economy, it was a local economy. Food was local, e equipment was local, craftsmen were local. And so everyone had to have a broom and each little town had their broom called a broom squire. Each little town had their own broom squire and they would work and they would supply the town with the brooms and the town would supply that broom squire with a living. That was his living. And what I didn't know until I really got into brooms and then I got to, uh, my mom explained to me that my grandmother's sister lived in Harrisburg. She was also a broom squire and she lost her husband in World War One, and she was left with children and she made a living to take care of those children by selling brooms in Harrisburg. Her equipment is now on display at the Parker Homestead, is what they use to make brooms. So every little community had a broom squire. Kay told me she believes Ken and his grandfather have a connection across the generations through both the land and the broom equipment. First got married and Ken began to tell me about his family and he'd tell me how he'd never met his grandfather. But uh, he, he always had an interest in his grandfather because he felt like they had, he felt like he had inherited a lot of his traits. Ken's a great woodworker. Um, he loves machines, gadgets, things of that sort. And physically, he looks like his grandfather. So he just had a kinship with his grandfather. When Ken was a little boy, 
he was uh, in bed one night and he woke up and the moon, it was a, a full moon and he could see in his room and there was an old man standing at the foot of his bed. Well, being a little boy, it scared him to death. So he pulled the cover up over his head and he just sat there forever until he got brave enough to peep out and it was gone. So when he woke up, he ran to his parents and told his parents that someone was in his room last night. So grandpa, you know, he's looking, I don't see any tracks or something, you know, nope, yeah, yeah, you're crazy. There's nobody out there, whatever. Was it the imagination of a little boy? We don't know. Was it a spirit? We don't know. Was it a dream? We'll never know. But after that, when he was looking through family photos and he saw that picture that I showed you of Grandpa Wolf, Ken said, well, as a little boy, he's like, that was the man at the end of my bed. So when I think back, I'm like, was that Grandpa's spirit? Did he somehow know that Ken would grow up and return to his property? Did he know that Ken would save? His, his equipment that he used to make a living? Did he know that Ken would want to come back to this very spot and buy his farmland again to be here? I don't know, we'll never know. But Kay and Ken still have that antique broom equipment. In fact, they used it to make each family member their own broom so they can have a piece of Grandpa Wolf in their own homes. With the broom, Kay and Ken sent a short family history. In it, they write the following. I hope you hang this on your wall to remind you of family, your roots. You carry the same DNA that kept your ancestor going after the death of his children and the death of two wives. William Peter Wolfe never gave up, and neither should you. You come from a hardworking, determined people who were skillful, resourceful, and determined. This I give you in remembrance of William Peter Wolfe and hope that you truly enjoy it. Um, what, would, what, it, what would you say to somebody if, you know, they were in a similar position to what y'all were in, right? Like there's this family, there's this piece of equipment, there's a family heirloom there that has got out of the family and is now at auction or, you know, something like, what, what would you say to maybe convince them to, to fight for it? I, I do think that advice that that old man gave us that day is because money comes and goes and we're always got, you know, we're always going to have bills. We're always going to have the next challenge. We're always going to have to, but if you really need to do something, you will find a way. It, life will work its, its way out somehow. Like I said, I can't remember how we paid our bills that month, but we did. We did, you know, we, we stopped going out to eat, I suppose, or we, you know, we didn't buy anything else that month, but we made it work and we did it. But there are some things in life that you only get one chance. It does not come around again. So if you have an opportunity, take that opportunity. And the same thing with not just objects, but with information. It's like, stop today. Who's the oldest person that you know? Who's the oldest person in your family? Make a list of questions, things that you want to know, not just names and dates, but what was their personality like? Were they talkative or were they quiet? You know, what were they the jokester of the family or were they the serious, you know, disciplinarian of the family? What, what, because we are all, we're made up of two things, genetics and experiences. Genetics, there's someone in our past that behaves the way we do for a reason. 
and the experiences are handed down from generation to generation, good and bad. I mean, there are family curses that, you know, alcoholism or, or drug addiction or abuse or whatever, but there's also the family passing down of when I, when I think of uh, Grandpa Wolf, like we said, what he went through and he kept going. He did not give up. And then I think of like the young people we know today who face, we're all going to face trauma. We're all going to face failure. But if you pull on that strength, they've been here and they did it, I can do it too. Thanks so much again to Ken and Kay Wolf for their kind hospitality and for sharing their story with me. And shout out to my friend Carla for connecting me with them. And thanks to you all for listening to this episode of Our Stories, produced and directed by me, Dr. Heather McNamee.